What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome to the TriStar Takedown with Mitch Davis and Jake Nichols. I'm Jake Nichols. We're here with you live for episode number three. So with that, I will go ahead and hand it over to Mitch. What is going on, man? It's been a minute. Dude, we're on episode three already. That is insane. WGC wrapped up. We couldn't do a live show because PGA wants to be stupid with the credentials. But we're back and we're in full force. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Just uh, keeping things rolling here in Knoxville. Um, Vols had uh, almost had fan day today at Neyland Stadium, but it has been canceled. They moved it to the indoor facility um, over at the Neyland Thompson Sports Complex and the Anderson Center. So seen a lot of people on Twitter pretty mad about that, but that's that's about all that's going on today. So why in the world did they move it? Y'all have rain or something? Oh, yeah, it's bad weather coming in, but um, personally, I think they could have just moved it back about 30 minutes because it doesn't look like it's going to end up being as bad as everyone expected, but, you know, it is what it is. Here's the question I have, though. Who the heck has fan day on a Sunday in the South? Like, that that's just asking for trouble. That is a legitimate question, and when I watched uh, Tennessee football's video earlier today, um, they were showing Chris Rumpf walking in, and he was like, oh, you know, got to go fellowship with my boys today. Miss church this morning for this, but, you know, and he was just trying to keep it cool, but you, you could tell it's a little weird with it being on a Sunday, and the fact that they do have practice today, too. They do have practice on a Sunday, and they're having fan day. Dude, y'all, yes. need, y'all need the Lord's blessing all that you can take after the last several seasons. I don't think I would try to curse the Lord's Day just by having practice and by having fan day on the Sunday. Yeah, but, I mean, we're not the ones making the decisions. We just get to comment on them. But I do agree with you that it would have been much better served to do on a Saturday or any other day of the week, really. So speaking of fan day, did you see Alabama yesterday? Dude, there were people. It was literally rain, like pouring down rain. Alabama fans were lined up. Just to get an autograph from two attack of love. The running of the gumps. Gotta love it. <laughs> Everybody loves the people down in Tuscaloosa. Okay, so let's talk about a little Tennessee football. What did Jeremy Pruitt have to say in his presser the other day? Um, he just mainly talked about the, the toughness of this team and the character that they're building. And the fact that Jarrett Garantano is really really a quarterback to look out for this season, but also he talked about just how much he loves Jawan Jennings. I mean, whenever Pruitt talked about, whenever somebody brought up Jawan in the presser, he talked about him for, you know, a solid two or three minutes, just said that he loved him, that he loved to watch him play, that Jawan loves Tennessee football. So it's really good to see that Jawan and Coach Pruitt have a good relationship, being that it was a little rocky from the start, you know, given everything that happened with Jawan getting uh, dismissed from the team whenever Brady Hoke was the head coach there for a little bit, and then kind of having to work his way back with Pruitt and then uh, Philip Fulmer coming in as athletic director. So it's really good to say that they have a good relationship now. Is it bad that I totally forgot that Brady Hoke was your coach for a second? Like, no, it's 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 understandable, but um, but yes, that did happen, and it was it was not a good period. Like, did he was he even like a coach for the season, or would he just like replace like midway through the season? He um, came in for like the last two or three games, I think. So whenever they informed Butch Jones that they would not be renewing his contract, they said that they would let him finish out the season. He declined to do so. And so that's what led to Brady Hoke um, taking the reins for the last few games. Dude, y'all have had some weird stuff going down in Rocky Top. But look, 
we got to talk a little Vanderbilt football. We've had some Vanderbilt people say we don't talk about them enough. What do you know about the Commodores? Um, right now, honestly, not a lot. And I think that that is the case with a lot of people, but I do know that they're going to be pretty good coming back. I think that Derek Mason has really righted the ship down there. Um, that is not meant to be a pun, given that they're the Commodores. But um, I do think that they're still working their way back, and they're not quite to that status yet where Vanderbilt fans are able to chirp at a lot of people, except for Tennessee fans. But <laughs> um, but I do think that they've they've got some good stuff going on. I mean, they replaced uh, they replaced Carl, Kyle Schumer last year. Vanderbilt's all. I mean, Vanderbilt's running back. Kashawn Vaughn Jr., I mean, he had a good year. So, I mean, the only really key part that Vanderbilt's having to replace is the quarterback in Riley Neal Sr. But he put up good numbers in the couple reps he got last season. Vanderbilt's returned seven on offense, five on defense. What is your pick for Vanderbilt heading into the season? Right now, looking at their schedule, I am going to go, let's see. I think I'm going to go six and six right now. Six to six with a win over Tennessee. Yes. Really? So you think they go into Neyland Stadium for a fourth straight year and beat your volunteers? I think that with the way Vanderbilt's going right now, um, if Tennessee has any kind of falling off the wagon near the end of the season, that I think Vanderbilt's going to get it done. That's that honestly would would that. I think that would break the all-time winning streak of Vanderbilt in that series with the Volunteers. Yeah, it would. I mean, because we've, we've done our research, and that the longest streak is three. It's tied. They've, Vanderbilt's beaten you guys three times, a couple times, but no Vanderbilt team has be, ever beaten the Volunteers four straight times in one season. It's, that, that's almost unheard of. I mean, that kind of tells you, though, kind of who have uh, flipped the script a little bit in the state. I will say, though, that I think that a big, big game for them early this season is going to be whenever they face Purdue. Because yeah. looking at the schedule, obviously, Georgia, I think we can go ahead and write that off as a loss. But that Purdue game, that's going to be big, especially going into um, hosting LSU the week after that. So Purdue is going to provide a lot of insight for what we're going to see from Vanderbilt this season. Is there any chance that Vanderbilt comes out of that three-game stretch to start the season at two and one? At two and one, uh, um, I am gonna say I will give them a thirty percent chance to come out at two and one to start the season. But with with one of those I, games being Purdue, who would the second win come against? Oh, I would say it would definitely have to be LSU because I think that I know you predicted it. Um, I think on the last show, or maybe even the first one, but I don't think there's any way that they get past Georgia in that first game of the season. I know they host the Bulldogs, and I know that Vanderbilt is still a solid team, but I don't think there's any way that Georgia comes into Vanderbilt and does not just blow the brakes or just beat the brakes off of them. Well, see, here's the thing. I completely agree with that. But let's flip down to the other side of the state to the best football team in the state and coming into the best basketball team in the state, the Memphis Tigers. What's your take on Um, I think that I'm looking for a lot from Patrick Taylor this year. I think I had already um, 
talked about that a little bit whenever you asked me about questions to send for Norvell. But I'm really looking for a big season from them this year. I think that it's going to be one that will end with them against UCF once more in the conference championship. And I think that we're going to see a lot from Taylor and then some guys on the defensive side of the ball that maybe didn't get to shine as much whenever Daryl Henderson was running the football. I tell you, one of these key guys, you mentioned the defense. you got to talk about T.J. Carter. T.J. Carter has been two-time All-American, 2017 AAC Rookie of the Year, and he's already got a lot of preseason accolades. T.J. Carter is the heart and soul of this Memphis defense. If T.J. Carter can get the linebacker core playing good, the secondary playing good, I see Memphis as a New Year's Six Bowl-type team. Especially when you look at their schedule, when they open up with Ole Miss, they close with Cincinnati, you kind of just get that feeling that this is the year of the Tigers a little bit. But, Mitch, let me ask you, you talked about T.J. Carter on defense, but what are you looking for from Chris Claybrook? <sighs> That's a good question. I, I, I see Chris Claybrook kind of being kind of, Bringing that energy. We talked about that media day, and you know that's one of the things that Mike Norvell really alluded to was bringing the energy each and every day. And the hiring of Chris Claybrook was the kind of the thing that kind of brought that energy and took Memphis to the next level that Tiger fans have been waiting for for so long. I didn't really have anything after that, so. Uh, okay, I was I was waiting on the rebuttal there, and I think one of the things that you know when I when we talked to Mike Norvell the other day, he talked about finishing. You know, he added a lot of guys to the coaching staff. He added a lot of depth to the depth chart and recruiting this past season. Mike Norvell has really kind of just brought that swagger to Memphis football. You know, you hear Ole Miss, you hear the Ole Miss guys talking, saying Memphis is their little brother, this and that. I'm going to tell you right now, Memphis is the best team in this region when you go down to oxford you go down to starkville you go down to you know up to vanderbilt memphis has the most potential to get to one of those new year six bowl games rather than let's say an old miss or let's say a southern miss or somebody like that or even the best team in the state when you look at vanderbilt and tennessee memphis as of right now is the best team in this mid-south region but mitch i don't think i would go so far as to say the entire mid-south because when you look at mississippi state they're pretty solid this year. I know Tennessee is going to have a really tough time with them whenever they come to Neyland Stadium. But um, I do think that Memphis has put a good thing together. I think Mike Norvell really has it going right now. But whenever we talked about um, – you talked about the Memphis offense a little bit. But whatever you think about the running back position for them right now, especially with – you know, we talked about Patrick Taylor and how he's going to, going to be leading the way for them. Who do you peg for that number two spot at running back? I would go Pop Pop Williams Sr. I, I think Pop's going to be kind of a dual threat running back wide receiver type slot type guy. I think it's going to be Patrick Taylor, but I do think Pop Williams Sr. kind of gets that second reps as the second guy. But Memphis has got four or five running backs that they, they can go to that are speed backs that remind a lot of us as of you know, let's say like a D'Angelo Williams, you know, type. And yeah. that's what we're that's what we have in Patrick Taylor Sr. down here in Memphis is you have that D'Angelo type running back that can, you know, not only create his holes with his speed, but it also can get those short yardage plays. And so can Pop Williams Sr. He can get those short yardage plays, lower his shoulder, and you know, maybe pick up that extra two or three yards that Memphis 
didn't necessarily get with Daryl Henderson, even though he was so great. He had the speed, but he didn't have that girth to get him past the extra two or three yards that I think Patrick Taylor Sr. has. But, you know, talking about the running game a little bit, if we want to shift it back over to UT for a second, whenever Jim Chaney talked about his offense at UT this year, I listened the other day and just talking about the reins that he's giving Jarrett Garantano, you know, he was asked, you know, how comfortable are you with him changing plays at the line of scrimmage? And Chaney basically said, you know, fully comfortable, do whatever he needs to do because the offensive coordinator will be able to put the offense in a position to score or be successful 60% of the time. And that means that he's relying on Garantano and his expertise and his experience and what he's seeing to get them out of a jam, 40%. So almost half the time that they're on the field. So I think that's really big. And I think it's really big that, um, that Tennessee is going back to the passing game more because when we've seen them in the past, you know, they relied on the running game last season, but they weren't able to a lot because the offensive line was just so bad. So I think that from what Chaney said about the offensive line and just what Will Friend's been doing, that I think we're going to look for improvement from the line this year on Rocky Top, but not a total revamp. But the way that Jim Chaney is going to be running this offense, I think that it's going to be a very pass-heavy offense with the wide receiving core that Tennessee has and what they're getting back because you've got guys like Jawan Jennings and Marquez Callaway on the outside. But you've also got Josh Palmer, and then you even got Ty Chandler whenever you need him you know, running a little route out of the backfield. So I think that we're going to see a lot from the Tennessee passing game this year, but I don't know how much we'll see out of the running back core besides um, Ty Chandler and Jeremy Banks. Speaking of which, Jeremy Banks, dude, I mean, I don't know if you've seen any pictures, but he is absolutely huge. So if he can hang on to the football, then Tennessee will have a real weapon um, in the backfield with him and Ty Chandler. And then, you know, if, if either one of them goes down or if they need to get someone else in there, then having Eric Gray in there as well will really help. I think the one thing that, you know, you asked me about UCF and the podcast before this, but how would you say Tennessee kind of measures their success levels? I know Memphis kind of looks to UCF to kind of be the measuring stick. Who does Tennessee look to to be the measuring stick and how can they beat them this year? Alabama and Georgia, no doubt, because Jeremy Pruitt coached at both of those schools before coming to Tennessee And right now, let's face it, they're the premier teams in the Southeastern Conference. So if you want to look at it, no matter how behind Tennessee might be right now, as far as comparing to other SEC schools, Alabama and Georgia are the measuring stick for where you want to be and where you want to get your program to because they're the face of the conference. They're the best teams, and they're the ones that get it done right now the most in the postseason. You mentioned those two teams. They both lost in their bowl games. What is something that kind of stood out to you as a Tennessee fan and say, hey, look, if these guys can be beaten, what do you think that is? you think it's opening the game up on the first play of the offense and throwing a 60-yard bomb down the field? Or do you think it's just kind of not overplaning for these two teams and just showing up to try to play football? I think that a big play from the get-go will really get things going because I remember whenever I was even little coming to Tennessee-Alabama games, you know, I don't remember what year it was, but at one point it was back when Torrin Poole was the running back for Tennessee. He took a handoff on like the opening series, maybe even the first play, and ran it like 60, 70 yards to the house. And from that point on, you know, Tennessee just got absolutely clobbered. But 
to be able to see that from the get-go and to be able to see that, hey, they can play with these guys, even if it's just for a moment. I think that's a big confidence boost going into the rest of any game. You know, we talked to uh, Mike Norvell, and I'm going to get your take on this. We talked to Mike Norvell on, I think it was Thursday as we had our media days. Mike Norvell has said that he wants to play Tennessee. He wants to play Vanderbilt. He already got it. He's got a you know, series set up with Mississippi State, Arkansas. What do you think it's going to take to get Tennessee to play Memphis and maybe a two-for-one or maybe rotate it each year? How, what do you think it's got to take to get either Vanderbilt or Tennessee to play the University of Memphis? I think that it's got to take maybe a little more interest in the Memphis football program because there's obviously more in basketball right now. And I'm not saying there's not interest in Memphis football. I'm just saying that there is obviously a lot more geared toward Penny Hardaway and the buzz that he's generated um, around the basketball program down there. But I think that it also takes um, kind of the stars aligning as far as scheduling, just because Tennessee wants to get some of those premier SEC matchups in and then also have enough to give yourself a decent looking record at the end of the season. And right now, Memphis isn't one of those teams that you schedule if you want to book it as an easy win because they are good and they are a difficult team to play. You know, before we get into the WGC tournament, talking about the WGC for a little bit, are you still set on six or seven wins for the Volunteers heading into the season? Honestly, right now, I think I would rank it at seven and then maybe even based on just how big these guys look right now. You know what? I'm going to go off... um, go off just what I've seen from practice in the last few days, which is stupid, I know, to go off photos and videos from practice. But based on what I've seen and the size that these guys have, I'm going to push that to 8-4. and 8-4, and four, Jake Nichols. Is that – would you bet your house on 8-4 and four right now? I would not bet my house, but if I had a cat that maybe I didn't like, I might bet him. Okay, I like. I mean, I, I think eight and four might be reasonable, but I think more of the realistic probably would be six and six, seven and five for the Volunteers. For the Tigers on this side of the state, I would say ten and two, eleven and one. You know, I, I when you look at Memphis's schedule, you go down the line. The only game that really just truly jumps out to you and scares the bejesus out of you is at Houston. But by then. Memphis Memphis has played most of their games. It's all the way in November, November 16th at Houston. I like Memphis to maybe even run the tables to, to, until they play UCF for the AAC crown. Mitch, I did not know that Dana Holgerson's haircut could scare you that much. <laughs> Shout out to Dana Boy. I don't know why he left West Virginia for the beatdown he gets from Memphis every year. But, hey, he wanted to go to Houston for a good program, I guess. I don't know. But, like I said, I, I really like Memphis' schedule this year. And shout-out to Ole Miss for adding that fuel to the fire at Memphis, saying Memphis is our little brother. We're not worried about them. We're the SEC, blah, 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 blah. When you and I have both said that Ole Miss is kind of not really considered a SEC power, according to those in Oxford who have called it that. Now, Mitch, I do have a couple more things to to throw at you before we get to the golf discussion so whenever we talk about Memphis and Ole Miss obviously you guys opened the season with them what are you expecting from that game just given the trash talk that's gone on during this offseason you know the one of the things that speak the trash talk has only gone on on one side of the ball here because Mike Norvell has kept a really tight lip on his guys he said you know if you're going to talk 
you're not going to be allowed to start, blah, 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 blah. So I expect Memphis to kind of come out there and say, hey, you know what? We're Memphis. We have no reason to be scared of you, the Land Sharks, Black Bears, whatever you are. We're going to come out here and play Memphis football, and we're just going to come out here and punch you in the mouth. If you can punch us back, okay, cool. If Matt Corral wants to take off his helmet and dance around the field like he did in the Egg Bowl, okay, cool. But I like Memphis to come out and at least beat Ole Miss by three touchdowns, if not more. Wow, by three touchdowns, if not more. That's that's big. So because when you when you look at Ole Miss, man, they are so depleted. They coming off probation, they're coming off an embarrassing end to the season where they got completely shellacked by Mississippi State. Matt Luke isn't the guy, you know. And I've talked to a lot of people down in Oxford. They've said Matt Luke is you know a great assistant coach, and Matt Luke's a great guy, but. Mike Norvell is probably one of the best young coaches in America. And someday after, you know, a couple more years at Memphis, maybe two or three, when he takes Memphis to new heights, Mike Norvell is going to be gobbled up by, let's say, when Dabo leaves for Alabama or somewhere like that. Mike Norvell is going to be gobbled up pretty fast. And so you got a great football mastermind in Mike Norvell, and you've also got a guy in Matt Luke who not necessarily belongs in the head coaching set. So, like I said, I do like Memphis' town a lot more. I think it comes down to the quarterback play, and I think Brady White is hands down better than Matt Corral. And I also think Patrick Taylor, you go on the offensive side. I mean, you go on the defensive side, you got T.J. Carter, Adam Williams. I mean, all these guys, O'Brien Goodson on the defensive line. I mean, Memphis is just overall looking more and more like an SEC team compared to Ole Miss, who is looking more and more like a Conference USA team. Now, I do have one more thing to touch on before we move into the golf. And this is kind of a nice transition, too. So whenever I was on Twitter, I don't know if it was this morning, I guess, um, I did see something nice from a guy that we know who plays a lot of golf probably during his off time down in Boca, Lane Kiffin, playing some Rocky Top at practice. What do you think about that? I uh, I think Tennessee should give him another chance. You know, when, whenever it doesn't work out with Jeremy Pruitt, I think Lane Kiffin kind of realizes what the kind of setup he had at Rocky Top. He saw the money. He saw the Southern California. probably saw all the pretty girls and all the pretty food and all the cars and all that and made the leap. But, I mean, Lane Kiffin enjoyed his time at Rocky Top. I think he'd be a great fit at UT. Don't talk too much about those pretty girls in California, man. You're going to get him in trouble. <laughs> shout out to, uh, by the way, shout out to Lane Kiffin for coming on the podcast last year. That dude was hilarious. He loves Boga Raton, which, I mean, who wouldn't? But like I said, he loves Knoxville, and I think he realizes, and he talked about that last year when I talked to him. He talked about that being one of the mistakes he had was leaving Tennessee. You know, he said that that was one of the biggest mistakes he's ever had is because he didn't realize he was so young, and he didn't realize how great he had it in Knoxville. And I think he, I think he finally, uh, you know, realizes that a little bit. But you said whenever it doesn't work out with Jeremy Pruitt, not if, but when. Oh, I don't think I, – I really – and we've talked about this off the record. I just don't think Jeremy Pruitt – I think he's kind of like a Matt Luke. I think he's a heck of an assistant coach, a heck of a recruiter. But some guys are more cut out to be assistant coaches than they are head coaches. And I think that Jeremy Pruitt might be one of those guys. Okay. Well, I will take your wrong opinion and disregard it as we move into another <laughs> part of the show. <laughs> I mean, and, and, I, and I'll defend that real quick by saying this. You look at – you look at maybe like a guy like Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops had a lot of experience under guys and a lot of coaching. And the key season for him was his second and third season. I want to see what Jeremy Pruitt can do this year. If he's still 5-7, and seven, 
then yeah, we'll talk about him possibly not being the right guy. But he's got to make that next step forward and getting to six and six and getting to that bowl game. I'm I'm not just talking getting to like a citrus bowl or something like that, but getting to just playing in the Birmingham Bowl, getting that extra postseason play. If he doesn't get that postseason play this year, I think a lot of Tennessee fans will probably start agreeing with me. I will give you that. I and and I think that that's fair. I think that that's one of those things. Like I said, you you take a Mark Stoops, you take a Kirby Smart, who's done a phenomenal job, but Georgia fans are starting to get a little restless with him because he hasn't won a national championship yet. I mean, he's had all, right. and he hasn't won an SEC championship. He's had all this talent. Georgia's picking, being picked in top four constantly every year for the last four years, but yet Kirby Smart has yet to win an SEC or a national championship. So until you take that next step that the program's asking you to do, and most reasonable Tennessee fans are not asking win a natty. They're just saying get to the Birmingham Bowl, get to the Music City Bowl, just give us an extra couple weeks of practice and something that we can get excited about because they haven't had that. I mean, you guys haven't had that. In a long time. Butch Jones didn't really give you that excitement. I mean, you were champions of life. Derek Dooley really didn't give you that excitement. And so you're looking for Jeremy Pruitt to be that guy. So if he doesn't do that in year two, I'm going to start to hear people say, hey, you know what? Maybe he isn't the right guy for Tennessee. Maybe we need to start looking at somebody else. And maybe, you know, you know, maybe Mike Leach, maybe Lane Kiffin, or somebody of that nature that has actually been proven to be a winner and to carry their programs to that next level. So going off that, let's go ahead and get into a little golf, dude. We we saw plenty of great guys. Oh my gosh, dude! The WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Shout out to the city of Memphis, man. And you guys came down for the Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, dude. The city was phenomenal. We did a heck of a job. There was there was really no hiccups, and I, you know, we talked about that. I talked to several people about that. There was just no hiccups. Like it was just run perfectly. Somehow, some way, the crime rate kept down. I mean, everything that could have gone wrong didn't go wrong during that week. Like, it was such a perfect week in the 901. And I know the golf was great, but the city of Memphis, man, and I, I'm sure you can agree with the city of Memphis, did a heck of a job at hosting the World Golf Championships. They did. They absolutely did. Whenever we rode up, I was just blown away at the setup that they had, even the welcome entrance with the guitars and the giant graphics of the guys. I mean, it was it was incredible to see Um, just and I mean, even the slogan, you know, Memphis welcomes the world. That's badass. That's cool. I mean, it's it's without a doubt, probably the we we talked about this. A lot of people who have been in the city of Memphis, that was probably the biggest collection of big-time worldwide athletes that Memphis has ever seen. And it's 200 years of hosting sporting events. That was the biggest gathering of world-class athletes and worldwide fame that Memphis has ever seen. And that is so awesome. I mean, when you talk about the likeness of Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson, Justin Thomas, Justin Rose, and Matt Kuchar, you go down the line, there was not one bad golfer that played around in the city of Memphis last week. Except for maybe poor Kevin Tway, but I mean he's still top fifty in the world. He he literally just said like, "Hey, this golf course kicked my butt." Like that was basically. Yeah. Which, by the way, and I know you guys walked the course probably a little bit more than I did on the weekend. I walked in on Monday and Tuesday, but that was probably the best I've seen the course in my ten years of going as a fan. And this year, you know, as media, 
the right. course was in spectacular shape. Like it was truly, truly some of the best. It, it, it was so well kept. I mean, the roughs, it, it was a true rough. Like it was like going to, you know, over in Scotland or Ireland. The greens were beautiful. They were playing fast. Like everything about that golf tournament, from the course management to the players and the food and everything like that, was phenomenal. And those food trucks, man. Oh, my gosh. That was, that was the most outstanding part to me, honestly. It was just like being able to <laughs> – I was able to sit there and eat barbecue nachos while watching Phil make a birdie. You cannot, you cannot ride it any better than that. And you were there as a fan. You got to go over to the 901 Boulevard. What did you kind of what, – what were the, some of the things you heard amongst the other fans, you know, and uh, well, other patrons as we're talking about golf? I think the biggest thing was just talking about how well Brooks was doing and then just being able to see all these outstanding golfers in one place, being able to not have to worry about, you know, watching on television or going some ridiculous distance for people that are from Memphis that live there that were able to drive 20, maybe, maybe 20 miles down the street and watch some of the premier golfers in the world, not just the United States, but just from all over the globe. So it was really cool to see. But I think the other thing that, uh, that given the weather um, that a lot of people were grateful for was, did you get to see, sit on one of those benches? It was like the big metal bench that had like the air blowing out on your Oh, feet yeah, the air-conditioned seats, yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh. That was one <laughs> of the biggest uh, crowd pleasers right there. It was the fact that you could just sit down on one of those, take a breather, still catch a little golf every now and then, and then go back and feel just refreshed going throughout the rest of the day. It was amazing. And, you know, you also got to shout out a little bit of just the worldwide fans. I mean, I was sitting next to in the media tent. I was sitting with guys from Australia talking right. about how much they loved Memphis and how much this was the first time and how awesome the city of Memphis was. You just kind of have to give a shout out to basically everybody from the PGA to the patrons to the media. Everybody in between made the week. A very, very, very special week here in the city of Memphis. Absolutely. You guys even went to Hamilton. I mean, you guys, and, and yes, I think we you're did. talking. We, we, had a, we had a very full day. We woke up, went to the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational that morning, watched a few practice rounds, watched DJ warm up, um, caught his, caught whenever, uh, whenever he teed off. We watched Dustin Johnson tee off. And then walked around the course, walked the back nine, saw Phil make a birdie, ate some awesome barbecue nachos, um, watched Bubba Brooks, um, Sergio Garcia on one, Justin Thomas. I mean, it was just an incredible day. And then whenever we got back, had to shower, change, and then went downtown to the Orpheum and saw one of my favorite plays, Hamilton. So it was an outstanding day. I have yet to see Hamilton. But a couple things before we get off here. Hats off to FedEx, by the way. FedEx put on a great show. They announced during the golf tournament that they had a new pledge for FedEx 50 for 50 or something about that being the 50th anniversary next year. They're trying to reach 50 more, 50 million more people. And they gave an ungodly amount to St. Jude. Hats off to St. Jude. St. Jude also received donations from every golfer at the tournament for every birdie. And even private donations from guys like Phil Mickelson and other people who just love the love the event. And it was such a great thing for the city of Memphis. But heading into the future, what are you expecting for the WGC next week of Ju next year, July 4th weekend? And I am expecting it to continue 
just with how great it's been. But I think that it has it has become one of the premier stops for the FedEx Cup. So I think that's really big and just that they're able to create that and that kind of culture in the city of Memphis and really making it a premier tournament. I think I think heading into the future, especially July 4th weekend, next weekend, I mean, next year, I mean, I don't know why I keep saying next weekend. I keep thinking about the soccer team next weekend, 9-1 FC, lost last night, but oh well. But heading into next year, I think with the whole FedEx-St. Jude partnership, I think we're going to see something that we have never seen before. I don't know if that's going to be robotic technology, whatever it is, but I think they're going to bring such a fun fan experience next year after they got the infrastructure down under, you know, down down path this year. I think heading into next year, FedEx is going to do something that we never thought was possible. Jake, I'm, man, I'm excited to see it. I, we're, I think we're going to make it. We might make it a yearly thing. It was that much fun. Oh, without a doubt. Now we're going to wrap up. What's your closing remarks? Let's maybe Tennessee football. Find you on Twitter. We're all we we're, what, what What is up? Man, um, right now, be sure and head over. Um, I'm going to be doing some photos for Rocky Top Insider this season. So be sure and follow along with them on Saturdays. Be sure and tune in to your high school sports whenever we do a weekly sports show um, for the Tri Cities and for the Knoxville area covering your sports or your high school football throughout the Southeast. So really getting the content going there for um, the prep action and then just be sure and follow me, man, for, uh, for Tennessee football content and just stuff all throughout the fall, because it is almost football season. I was outside yesterday and you know, it felt like it was around six o'clock, I think. And it was a crisp 74 degrees. The wind was blowing and it just felt like football season. So follow me at jnichols underscore 2121 to really get an inside look at just everything that is going on over here on Rocky Top because it is about to be a blast. He's my co-host on Rocky Top. I'm your other co-host, Mitch Davis, from the great 901 area. Shout out to Memphis. Go Tigers go. Follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore 8, and Tiger Sports Report at Rivals.com. I want to thank y'all for tuning in to the TriStar Takedown. Welcome, everybody. Appreciate everybody coming out uh, to kick off fall camp. I can tell you we're, we're extremely excited about today and uh, about the, uh, uh, the beginning of our 2019 football season. Uh, you know, our guys have done an incredible job throughout uh, this offseason, stretching all the way back to January. Uh, the job that our coaches did in recruiting, um, the, the work that's went in with the uh, with all the, the winter conditioning, summer conditioning with Coach Storms and his staff. Uh, you know, so very grateful for the job that they did. Uh, you know, to all of our trainers, support staff. I mean, it just was a was a great off season for our program. Um, you know, to our players, the, the commitment that they put in um, in, in the, the workouts, the Film study, you know what they've done. Uh, you're really seeing a lot of uh, leadership emerge. That's been been one of the things that, uh, that we've pushed for as a uh, as a coaching staff. You know, we talked in the spring about being a coach inspired but player led football team, and I think that we're, uh, we're we're starting to see that really come into action. And that's going to be something that over the next 25 practices that uh, you know, that really has to show up. And, uh, but I, I like this team. I like the group of young men that we have that uh, that are a part of it. Uh, you know, it's going to be. A, we're going to have to maximize every single day 
uh, building up to August 31st. But uh, you know, the, the things that, that you hope to see in the offseason, I think we've been able to, uh, to accomplish. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of competition. It's the, definitely the, the best depth that we have on our team that, uh, you know, since I've been here, I think there's going to be there's going to be battles just about at every at every position for for starting roles, but also for for guys that are going to put themselves in impactful positions. Um, but uh, it's it's definitely an exciting time to be a Memphis Tiger. Uh, really pleased with our coaching staff, all the work that's gone in to prepare for uh, for the next 25 days and uh, what we're looking to accomplish for this season. But uh, it's a uh, it's a great day, and we appreciate everybody being a part of it. Coach, you say you're looking for leaders to lead the team. Who are you looking for specifically to lead this team to a promising season? You know, I think we have guys that have played a lot of football for us um, that are, are now going into the uh, to the uh, the senior part of their of their career. And uh, you know, I, I try not to focus so much leadership on just a class or a classification, but it's about guys that uh, uh, that are going to impact others. And you look at guys like uh, you know Patrick Taylor uh, has has done a wonderful job. You know, you've seen a lot of growth. Uh, you know, defense. The guys like Austin Hall, um, you know Bryce Huff, um, you know on the offensive line, I think Dustin Woodard has probably grown uh, as much as any person, and he started he started every game here, I think, but his first one, and uh, but he's done a remarkable job. Uh, you have guys that are, that are that are now becoming upperclassmen. You know Demonte Coxey, um, you know Brady White has had uh, you know, had a really good offseason. Uh, T.J. Carter, uh, you know I can I'm sure I'm leaving plenty of guys out, but you know it's it's really you know collectively as a whole. Uh, we have each position group has has guys that are emerging to set a new standard, and uh, that's something that's going to be important. Uh, you know, I tell them all the time. You know, you know, you know coaches can do you know, everything that we can to lead them, but we don't get to step between the white lines. And uh, when they're on the field, uh, when there's things that happen, whether it's great success or sometimes adversity, it's it's their example, their response uh, that's going to really push this team. And so uh, that's something that's critical for us. And uh, you know, we got to build off the experiences that we have had. Seems like your first game of the season uh, on paper it seems like an even matchup. Your defense maybe even better, but people are going to call it an upset if you guys win. In your opinion, do you just see it as a game you're supposed to win at this point? Uh, you know, I mean, the first game is the game you're, you're always excited about, and uh, there's a lot of work that's going to go into it. Uh, we know we're playing a, a great opponent from the, from the SEC conference, which you know nationally, uh, you know, that's uh, uh, probably one of the most respected conferences uh, you know in the country. And, uh, we're excited about the opportunity. We're excited to be able to play at home in front of in front of our home crowd. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how how our football team comes together uh, to to go out there and put our best foot forward. Uh, you know, just, just we have an expectation to play at a very high level, uh, but there's a lot of new faces. You know, you, you sit there. You, we have uh, seven new coaches that uh, yeah, that will be the first game that we have together. Um, we have guys that are, that are putting themselves in, in, in emerging leadership roles or, or contributing roles on this team uh, that are going have to have to be prepared here in, in less than a month from now. And so uh, I'm excited to see it, but uh, we have a lot of work to get through. Coach, you mentioned a lot of turnover, especially on the staff. How do you kind of, I mean, how important is this camp for you guys to kind of get a, a sense of normalcy and well, I mean, I think I think camp's always critical, and uh, you know whether you're returning everybody or you have new faces, you know this is a this is a, a, a different team than any team that we've ever had. So uh, to be able to to get an understanding of the expectation for guys to, to be able to put themselves in, in that position, uh, whether it's in a leadership role or, or a support role, uh, just the communication of how we're all going to operate each and every day, and then you know especially on game day, uh, you know how we're going to communicate you know as a staff, staff to players, and then players.
original players on the field. Um, you know, all of those, all those experiences that we're going to be able to create in practice have got to become become routine, and that we've got to do that at a very fast pace. Uh, but the, you know, every day is going to be critical for us. Is there any position group battle that you're looking forward to the most seeing play out from there? You know, I think when you look at uh, you know, the offensive line to see, you know, you know which which of the five are going to be the, the the best five, the most cohesive five. Uh, you know, I'm I'm hopeful I'm hopeful that as we go into it, that we're going to be able to find seven or eight guys that are going to that can come in and contribute to help our, our football team win games. Uh, but at the at the end of the day, you know, there's there's a there's a lot of guys vying for for their role. I think uh, you know the defensive backfield is one that we've been able to to add some some really good pieces and to see the development of guys. Um, you know, I'll sing a lot. You know, Chris Claybrooks, I think, has maybe had the the best off season uh, when it comes to development, growth, uh, you know, comfort out of position. You know, he's a young man that changed positions. Uh, you know, coming into last season from you know never playing defensive back to uh, to, to move into corner. I thought you saw a step, you know, big steps there at the end of the season, finishing in the uh, in the bowl game with the pick six. But you know, from January on, he's really worked to become a master of his craft. Uh, I think he's going to be able to provide some great things for us. We, like I said, we have some additions there that uh, can really help. And you know, and then the defensive front. Uh, I think uh, you look at this last year. We've we've had so much youth that's, that we've relied on 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 our defensive line. Uh, you know, those guys have grown up, but also we've recruited at a really high level. And the guys that redshirted this past season uh, that are now looking to to establish themselves in the rotation or possibly become key contributors, uh, you know, that's going to be a, a fun battle to watch as well. Two years ago, you, your, your team was really good in creating turnovers on the defensive end. Austin Hall and TJ Carter led your team and led the nation in turnovers. What can be done to get back to the level you had two years ago? Well, you know, I think it, the, the biggest thing is just uh, relentless pursuit, um, you know, putting, putting themselves in a, in a position to make those plays and then, you know, capitalizing when we get a chance to, to, to get the ball in our hands, whether it's, you know, the, because of a fumble or because of an interception. Uh, or you know a ball is thrown to us for a potential interception. Uh, we got to we got to make sure that we're finishing those opportunities. But uh, uh, I like this group because I like the speed that we have on defense. And you know, you know defenses that uh, that can run usually have to put themselves in a better position to create takeaways. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's about that mindset. And uh, you know, the key for the key for us is getting the ball. And uh, that's something that, uh, that we're gonna we're gonna really uh, put a great emphasis on. Along what those, how does the offense change now that you? Well, you know, I think it's it's our job and responsibility as coaches to, to put our players in a position to be successful. Uh, I really like the talent uh, that we have, you know, not only at the running back group, but the, the guys that are returning at receiver and some of the newcomers that we have. Uh, you know, our tight end position has got to show up big force. But uh, I think you know Patrick Taylor has, has shown himself to be a uh, you know. A, game-breaking back. Uh, you know, he's he showed the capabilities of being a 20 to 25 carry a game guy. Uh, I expect that to, to, to continue. Um, but you know, you look at the, in that in the in the running back room, you got guys like uh, Kenny Gainwell who showed flashes last year in the four games that he played. Uh, you know, had a great spring, a great spring game. Uh, Tim Taylor is done. Um, you know, I talked about Chris Claybrooks on the other side. Tim Taylor's probably had as much uh, of a development and uh, and growth uh, there on the offensive side as anybody. Uh, you know, he was about 217, 18 pounds last year. He's down to 198. Uh, you know, he's probably one of the top, you know, three to four fastest players on the football team. Uh, you know, a guy that I'm expecting big things from. And, 
then you have some 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 other y younger backs. Uh, you know, you look at Kylan Watkins who had a great spring. Uh, Cam Fleming, uh, you know, Drake uh, Drake Clark who's coming in as a highly you know highly uh, you know, touted uh, freshman that you, know, you walk in, you'll see him out on the field tomorrow, and he's not going to look like a freshman. I mean, he's he's big, he's strong. Uh, you know, he's, he's uh, definitely carries himself with a great maturity. Uh, so uh, we're excited about all those guys. You know, you're kind of touching. It, you know, just having guys that are talented in the backfield is one thing, but when you have you know, you have guys on the perimeter, um, you know, I think Kadarian Jones is somebody that we're going to count on big. Everybody knows about Coxie, but Kadarian Pop, uh, you know, some of those younger receivers. Antonio Gibson is another guy that uh, just had a great offseason. Um, you know, that we're expecting big things from. And then, you know, having the two tight ends definitely help uh, with Sh with Sean and, and Joey coming back. Uh, both should be big contributors. What do you want to see out of the running backs to kind of help them um, establish themselves more as that guy to kind of help Patrick a little bit? Uh, I think consistency. You know, uh, you know, playing running back in this in this offense is uh, is a lot of fun. And, I mean, you do so many different things when it comes to not only carrying the football but also catching the ball in the backfield. Uh, you know, showing that you can be reliable in protections uh, is going to be big. Uh, but the, it is a talented group. And these guys, they have a, a great skill set. You know, we've got guys that we feel we can split out, much like what Tony Pollard did uh, this last year. Um, but we also have guys that if we need to use multiple multiple backs in the backfield, uh, um, that's something that we can do as well. And so it's just who's going to be consistent with their opportunities. And, um, you know, with the style of offense that we play, I mean, if Patrick gets 20 to 25 carries in a game, we still probably have another 20 to 25 uh, left out there for other guys to seize. And, uh, you know, it's, that's what I'm looking forward to, you know, this this uh, fall camp is who's going to show up day in and day out and, and prove to their teammates as well as their coaches that they can be counted on in, in, in one of those uh, you know, critical roles. Coach, where you're mountain in second year, how big of a leap does he need to take in your mind as well as have you seen a moment maybe yeah, I think he. I think he's grown in every area. Um, you know, I think Brady did a, a lot of great things last year as a first-year starter. Uh, probably as as good of a first-year uh, performance from the mental aspect uh, at the at the quarterback position that I've been around. Uh, but I think that you know. One of the things that he's done and you've got to compliment is the, is the physical growth. I mean, he's 15 pounds heavier than he was last year. Uh, you know, he's, he's running faster. He's moving better. Um, you know, I think anybody that watched you know, spring ball, you, you could see the the, the, you know, the arm strength is continuing to improve. Uh, you know, the sense of uh, the, the timing and getting the ball out consistently was, is something that he's definitely done a great job with. But also just the comfort, the comfort of, of being the quarterback and you know, being somebody that uh, you know when he when he goes and talks to the receivers, the O line, or really anybody on this football team, the, the respect that is shown for what he has done and the work that he's put in. So uh, I'm expecting him to have a have a, a big jump from from year one to year two. But just like any other quarterback that I've ever coached one for years. Do you want him to be like most people thought? Well, he's more of a manager last year. He managed all. He put you in the right place. You know, to get Daryl and get pass the ball. You know, little slip screens that you run. But do you want him to be more to take charge? Well, I mean, I think I think you look at and that, that comes up a lot. When people talk about you know, throwing the ball down the field, but when you go back and he showed that he could do that. We had we had big plays, uh, you know, with him pushing the ball uh, down the field vertically last year. I, I want more consistency in that. I want uh, you know, us to, to make sure that in every aspect, that's something that, that that we're doing, uh, that we are growing. 
and you know he has to, to be able to put our offense in a in a in a position to be successful. Um, you know, him you know, with his mental capacity that he can that he can carry into each and every game. Uh, you know, hopefully that will continue to, to open up some other opportunities for us. But you know, I, I want every player on this team to improve. You know, in each aspect of their game, and you know, anybody that played last year as a uh, whether it's a, a, a freshman or maybe they were a junior, I want the I want to see growth, and I think uh, Brady has has put in the work, he's put in the time, and so I hope I hope that every aspect, you know, every you know, part of his game is gonna is gonna see uh, you know the best level as, as we move forward. How much of it's with, with the new DC, Adam? Are you changing philosophically uh, any defensive approach? You know, I think when you when you look at uh, what we've done in the last few years, we've been very multiple. Uh, you know, we're going to continue to be multiple. Um, you know, I think Adam does a, a tremendous job. He's an incredible teacher. Uh, you know, he puts his guys in a position to to, to play fast. Uh, you know, one of the things that that we want to make sure that we can do is is uh, that we're going to be able to handle tempo. Uh, you know, at a uh, you know, a very efficient way, but also be be complex in, in what we're doing schematically to uh, to attack you know what we see as potential weaknesses in an offense. And so, uh, Adam is a tremendous teacher, you know, fundamental coach, uh, you know, a, a technician in a, in a sense of uh, of what we're asking those guys to do. But there's also a lot of complexity in in, in, in how we're going to attack and what we're going to do. Uh, it's really, you know, I think it, you know, our defense is going to complement our offense because of those similarities and what we're trying to accomplish. How much of a testament to the team is it that there were multiple Tigers on the award watch? I mean, I think it's a you know a great compliment. Anytime you have guys that are recognized uh, you know nationally for those national awards uh, at, at what they do, um, you know, like I tell our team, like I tell the the individuals, you know, that doesn't that doesn't do anything for us. Uh, you'll come game one, we've got to go prove it each and every week and uh, show that you're worthy to to be recognized at that level. But uh, you know, Memphis Tiger football is is really elevated. Uh, you know itself. I think nationally. I think the individuals we've been able to recruit, uh, the players that we have, um, they deserve to be recognized nationally because they are they're a special group of young men. They do have the tremendous talent, and uh, you know I know the, the way that they work. Uh, it's always it's always a, a good feeling to see that uh, you know, people are taking notice. Coach, what's the next step? I know losing back-to-back -back AAC championship games. What's that next step for the program? How do you get there? You know, for us, it's continue to, to continue to improve, to continue to progress. Uh, you know, I hope that this year, you know, my 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 ultimate uh, uh, desire is to maximize the potential that we have for this team. And that, you know, I believe in the in the young men that we've recruited. I believe the way they've been in the way that they've been developed. I believe in this coaching staff. But uh, at the end of the day, we've got to control what we can control. And it's how we step on that field tomorrow, the effort we give, uh, the focus that uh, that we put into it, and uh, you know the way that we perform. I mean, that, that's that's all that's all on us. Uh, you know, what other people do, the way that they grow their programs. You know, you know, I hope that at the end of each year, we're competing for championships. If we do that, and the the, uh, the type of football that is played, you know, each and every each and every uh, Saturday that we step on that Liberty Bowl, I want it to be better. And uh, you know, I believe that's something that we put ourselves in a good position to do. Uh, but we got to go get it done. Hey, Coach, you have a lot of easy uh, regional rivals you're trying to create, uh, Northeast uh, Louisiana, and you're going to play in Mobile this week. Talk about creating a better regional rivalry. You know, I mean, I, I love, when it comes to scheduling, I love the regional games. And, uh, you know, I was really excited uh, 
um, you know, with the Arkansas series that we're about to that we just you know got on the schedule. I think you see the Arkansas State game, you know, that's that's going to come back on the schedule for the next four years. Uh, I think it's a great game. Um, you know, you look over. I believe it's the next seven years. We have four or five SEC opponents that are going to play here in the Liberty Bowl. That is a that that's an exciting that's a, that's an exciting time for us. Uh, it's an exciting time for our community. Um, but you know, I want the regional games because I, I think it fits what college football is all about. And at the end of the day, um, you know, we would love to we'd love to get every. Um, you know, major brand of college football to come in and, and, and play in the Liberty Bowl or for us, you know, even going to, to play there. But um, but I like having games where our fan or our fan base can go and, and travel to and be a part of the experience. And, uh, you know, and whether that means, you know, you know the opponents bring a couple more people, that's, that's just more, uh, more butts in the seats. So I don't mind that as well either. Okay. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Joined by TJ Carter. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. How's the offseason been? Uh, offseason been good. Just been working. Uh, trying to get better every day. Uh, trying to stay in the playbook. Uh, you guys getting have, ready for camp. Getting ready to report. You guys have finished short the last two seasons of the AAC crown. You've also finished short of winning a bowl game. How do you finish? What are the coaches telling you guys to finish? I mean, that's, that's it. Just to finish. Just to, just to, I mean, that's been our emphasis all summer. Uh, we've been working out stuff like that. They make they make uh, the end of workouts and the end of our training like they designed to make it the end of it like hard on purpose so we can push through it. So I mean, you don't like to come up short. Never like to come up short, especially when you got a big lead like we did both times we played them. So. You guys, just a big you guys have a really good, strong receiving core. Who is the receiver that's probably the most challenging to guard? I mean, I love them good. Uh, they good. They got their own. Like, I feel like Cox is the best 50-50 ball. Uh, yeah. Going up good. Pop Williams run good routes. I mean, AG run good routes, and he big body. So, Kadarian uh, Jones, I mean, good routes, good ball skills. So, like I said, all our receivers are good now. Like, they do some stuff better than others, but, you know what I'm saying, they all got their yeah. own. I can't just point one out. So, what has been the biggest point of emphasis for your new defense coordinator, Coach Fuller? And what impact has have you seen from Coach Fuller? So uh, biggest point of emphasis, I would say, uh, I mean, running to the ball, 11 hats to the football. Uh, I mean, being consistent, consistency is, is is a big thing that we emphasize. I mean, getting in the playbook and, I mean, just relentless pursuit and the things I can see different. I mean, more sound, everybody on the same page uh, for the most part. Everybody willing to learn, willing to uh Allowing him to come in and coach us how he does, so um, I can tell you he, he's very passionate about what he do and, and very smart too. So uh, I mean, when you got that uh, a coach that loves to coach and passionate about what he do and players that are willing to learn, and then this this great tool for success. You guys open up with Ole Miss. Does that kind of add a certain level of oh, to your practice schedule a little bit? Saying okay, we got to come out here and play an SEC schedule, or are you guys approaching it just another game and got to show everybody what Memphis football is about? I mean, every game is a big game, of course. Uh, so the the opportunity we get to knock off an SEC opponent, I mean, that's always big. Uh, but like I said, we prepare for Ole Miss game, like we prepare for Navy or. Uh, Houston or any other game, yeah. so it's still a big game because because our goals are so high, our expectations are so high for us, uh, for the team, for the coaches. That I mean, anything short shorter than a victory won't be acceptable. I mean, like I said, we got big plans, big aspirations, big 
big everything. So we just trying to we want to take it one game at a time. We want to go undefeated, but you know it take take a lot of hard work. So that's what we the process we in right now. We are working to get to that point and taking one game at a time, one day at a time. We're practicing. Yeah. At a time. Last question I have for you: If you're not up here playing football, what are you doing? I'm at home watching football. <laughs> to tell you the truth, who's uh, your NFL team? Titans, Tennessee. Okay. I'm from Nashville. Yeah. So, you know, Titans, my team. Uh, but like that, I mean, football literally is life for me. Yeah. So uh, yeah. if I'm not if I'm not playing it, I'm watching it, or I want to be around it as much yeah. as I can. So. Um, other than that, I like to go. I mean, I work out on my own. Uh, I like to eat. So, <laughs> favorite food? Wings, hot wings. Any, any Where's your favorite hot wing place here in Memphis? I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs> <laughs> I done had a lot of them. I like I like cheese. Okay. I like crumpies. Okay. Uh, All stars, wing gurus. I just like good wings. So yeah. If your wings good. I, I, nine times out of ten, I, I already been there. So. TJ. One last question for you. I know I said that before. Yes, sir. You said you were a Titans fan. Uh-huh. Which predictions? Super Bowl? Or is it going to be uh, another one? We're just trying to go deep in the playoffs right now. We're still yeah. trying to figure some stuff out, put some pieces together. I mean, I hope we can go to the Super Bowl, but right now we're just trying to put, put the pieces together right now. TJ, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Joined by, say your name again. Brian Goose. How you doing, man? Man, how's it feel being the media days? Man, I feel pretty good. Season's upon us. Yes, sir. What are your expectations? Um, my expectations is just to do my job and to help put my team in a position that we've never seen again. How has the last two years prepared you to be in this position to start this year? Uh, it just, you know, I've, I've started the past two years, but this year I feel like this year is just going to be different because we're in a different season. And I'm surrounded by the same guys, and we're just going to be aiming for the same thing, just to finish the same finish and get better, bigger, and better every single day. Which, which one of your defensive line is the hardest to block? Uh, let me see. That would have to be a problem, yes. <laughs> I hear you. So here's the thing. You guys – Back-to-back AAC championships, you guys fell short and also fell short in the bowl game. How do you finish? How, what are the coaches telling you to finish and finish the job? I mean, but that, it's just a mind thing. We got to learn to finish. I mean, this, this has been our goal this summer is everything we do. Finish. every single day. Camp goes on. We go through fall camp. It's going to be the same thing every single day. So, you guys open up with Ole Miss. Talk about playing that SEC opponent, and does that add an extra bit of hump to your swagger out here during the summer workouts? Uh, as we're doing, as we're going against Ole Miss, it's going to be just like, all right, we got a bigger conference coming in, and they're going to think, they think just because we're in a smaller conference, we're going to lay down to But actually, it just makes us play hard. And it's just going to make us go out and want to beat them even more just because they think that and other people in the media think that they're going to be like So I feel like this is the goal we're going to play ball. We're going to let the media do what the media does. And we're just going to go out and play ball. I was the first. And we're going to see when the Memphis beats on me. You kind of alluded to a little bit of basically Memphis versus everybody. Talk about that mentality that you guys have because it seems to start at the top with Coach Norvell and work all the way down the bottom where you guys aren't going to talk much. You guys are just going to go out there and play the game of football and let the chips fall where they fall. Talk about that kind of swagger going on around the locker room. Right there, man, we just, you know, people going to talk, people always like to talk about Memphis going to do this, Memphis not going to do that. We don't like to think about that. We just go out 
We practice every day. We go hard. Game time comes. Show the world what we can do. So here's the thing. Last question I got for you. When you're not playing football, when you're not up here at the football facilities, what are you doing? Are you playing Fortnite or what are you doing? See me, I'm not really a video game guy. I really just like to watch TV. I watch like action movies and things yeah. like that. But anytime I can go home and get a honey, that's basically what I like doing. <laughs> hey, Joey said he's a big Fortnite fan. Have you heard anybody else playing Fortnite on the team? Oh yeah, well, there's a lot of guys. I stay with uh, Jojo Dorsey. He plays Fortnite a lot too. He's a game guy himself. But me, I'm not really a game guy. Yeah. I'm not really like playing video. I feel you, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. We are here at Tiger Medias with Joey Magnifico. Is that right? Magnifico. Magnifico. There we go. Okay. How you doing, man? Really good. How are you? I'm good. How's the camp going? Uh, just getting started, so we're gonna see. Going into the season, you guys open up with an SEC opponent. How big is it to make that statement win over Ole Miss? And what do you do to do that? Uh, it'd be huge. Uh, just to get the season started going on. Uh, we're gonna have to go in like it's a regular game and not get too high, not get too low. Uh, I think it would be huge for the whole city of Memphis just to go out there and win that game. We asked Coach Norvell, taking that next step as a program, you guys lost back-to-back -back AAC championship games. How do you take that next step, and what are you telling your teammates being a senior? Uh, little things. Uh, this year, this summer, I can see a lot more just little things with our team. As in, just coming in a little earlier, working a little harder. Uh, just telling the team to stay focused throughout the season. Uh, you know, December we're 0 and 5, so just tell them to finish on 100%. You say you What's uh, who's, who's emerged as kind of the leader? I know you and a couple other guys. Who's a couple other guys that are emerged uh, the leader? This I say a big, a big step up, uh, Patrick Taylor. He, uh, he's really switched on another level this year, and, and not only bringing himself along, but bringing the whole team, staff, everybody around him along. Like, if you're around Patrick, you're a better person. You uh, you always play football. You're always around the football. What are you going to do other than when you play football? I know you play Fortnite. I heard you say that at Grind City Media. What are some other things you like to do? Uh, I just got a niece recently. So I love hanging out with my little niece. Uh, it's not those two things. I'm honestly either up here or doing those two things. I hear you, man. Last question I got for you. Coming into your senior season, what is your personal expectation for the season? As a freshman, you know, you can't uh, notice no one knew about you. Win the so championship. That's what I want really you. bad. So how can you we ain't won one yet, so when people to not do that would be just be great for my senior year. Man, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it.